Welcome, everybody, to the DMN One-on-One Podcast. I'm Chris Wood, Associate Editor of DMN, here with Don Colossi, CMO of Focus Vision. Uh, so great to speak with you today, Don. Oh, great to speak with you, too. And uh, we're going to discuss the role of the CMO and how that's evolved. And I'm also interested, just because our, I'm sure some of our readers have uh, read the writing that you've posted online about your experience at the beginning of, of your job. And I'm just curious, you know, how uh, that role has evolved as, as you've uh, gotten Into your it. role. Yes. Um, well, I've been here since the beginning of May. My, um, I did write about my first 90 days and what that looked like. Um, since then, I'm, I'm happy to say that I've delivered on a lot of the promises that I've made to the board and to the executive team. We have transformed into a digital-first, content-driven marketing team based on um, what are what, uh, two or three research projects that we've done into our customer base to understand what they're doing today, what they care about, what they're trying to solve for. Um, you know, it would have been very easy to fall back on my own experiences only as a case study of one being a person in marketing. Um, but it was really important for us to take a look at the market and what big brands, small brands, brands in between are doing to really understand their customers, how it's figuring into what they're doing. Um, and then we've based our marketing program on that. So um, we ended the year with um, some really nice wins. Um, we were able to develop uh, a dashboard and metrics that we've delivered back to the board to show how we've delivered on those KPIs. So I'm happy to say that um, although the honeymoon is over, because um, you know you get that nice three or four month honeymoon phase at the beginning of being a CMO, um, we continue to um, hold a, a very important seat at the company and, and make great progress. It sounds like one thing that you uh, that really struck me was your um, willingness to listen to your team and to assemble your team at the beginning. And I, I wonder if that translates at all into kind of getting to know your customer as well. It seems like a an attitude that uh, you've you've brought to your role here. And yeah, to the it's um, it's a very diverse team, which is really exciting, right? I have two researchers on my team. I've never had researchers on a marketing team before. Um, so being in a company that does research and having people who come from different uh, large agencies who have you know serviced big brands in their research projects brings a whole new perspective to the table. Um, and from from them, I've learned so much about my role and what they can bring to the table and how they could help marketing. Um, that it's really given us, given me a whole new perspective. You know, you get to a certain part in your career and you wonder if you know everything and the, the truth is you can never know everything. And somebody else bringing a fresh perspective and, and new knowledge um, really helps you grow and helps, um, you know, really shape your program so that you're using their knowledge, their research, their backgrounds and being able to connect with your customers. I was going to say, where does research fit in with marketing if marketing doesn't have research and then now you're working with it? It's funny, research has always been part of marketing, right? I mean, everybody's seen Mad Men. Uh, there were absolutely focus groups back in the 50s and, and, and those sort of things. But um, the recent years, we've sort of abandoned that type of research for big data. You know, marketers are very enabled with um, click data and being able to understand, uh, you know, eye tracking on their website and what people are, what content people seem to be responding to based on their email open rates and their email click through rates, and what ads seem to be performing best by what's driving it to their website. So um, while we have 
we have sort of we sort of abandoned that human part of the data because we were looking at the digital data and the behavioral data and the the digital body language to sort of derive um, what we thought our customers were thinking. Um, but if it, it was that easy, we would all be Amazon and we're not. <laughs> so um, what my aha moment was, um, you know, I had built in my previous company a, a digital first program that's an engagement program. Um, and when I came here and spent some time with our researchers, I was like, wow, we never actually asked our customers what they thought or what they cared about. We were, we were assuming we understood it based on the data that we were getting. I think some of that was right. I think we were probably 60 to 70% of the way there, but I think we could have been much more impactful had we spent the time asking our customers, what are they struggling with? What do they care about? What are they trying to solve for? And what are, what are their daily struggles look like? Where are they getting their budget from? Who are they trying to convince? You know, are they willing to rip and replace technology? Are they, you know, those types of things we couldn't get from big data. Um, so how would you get it? Um, a number of ways. I mean, I think the most popular way is definitely survey data, right? Because it's easy. Um, and we actually offer, Focus Vision offers a survey platform. Um, but very sophisticated surveys so that you're able to get very deep insights. We allow video open in, open ends so that you can get that video uh, qualitative piece from your survey. But I think survey data, the quantitative data, is only one part of it because you can get big numbers. It's really when you dig into the qualitative side and you know do focus groups. And it doesn't have to be the old fashioned behind the mirror focus groups. It, you know We allow online focus groups, uh, video interviews, um, mobile diaries, watching somebody use your product, use their, um, see their in situation in a store, how they're making choices and what's affecting them. All of that data coming together to really understand how your customer thinks, how they act, how they feel. Um, we call that the customer truth. Can you get to your customer truth? Um, understanding your customer truth allows you to create content, create marketing, create um, a story that connects you to your customer's story. So um, in this day and age when brands are really trying to connect to their customer stories, and we see it from a lot of different brands, obviously Nike being the biggest um, success, there's been a lot of failures and, and, and they've all made the press in the last few months. Um, but they really understood how their customers were feeling and what they would react to and they did the right testing and they went through the right steps to get to a place where their story connected with their customer story and they reaped the, the benefits, the you know, revenue benefits from that. Um, you mentioned like the digital body language, which is such an interesting idea that people act a certain way because of the mediums that they use, the platforms Absolutely. that they use. And that, um, how does that change then? Um, what, what are the most uh, important platforms to reach when you mention content to reach the It depends, and again, this now gets down to the behavior of, of your audience and what, what, what they do. We understood, we started to understand that our audience was spending a lot of time on LinkedIn, for instance. Um, and, you know, I know I spend personally a lot of time on LinkedIn. It's probably my, you know, if I'm, I'm waiting for something or I'm in line or I'm, you know, whatever, it's where I'm scrolling. I am, you know, I'm spending most of my time there reading what my colleagues are doing or my peers are doing, reading new content, trying to understand what people are figuring out and what, and if it, you know, makes sense to what I'm trying to figure out and can I learn from it. I'm forever opening the five tips and three reasons and because they're easy and they're fast and I might get a nugget out of them. So taking a look at what how people behave and what they're looking at um, 
allows us to get to those places, right? We, I, it's it, marketers are very egotistic. We think we build a website and everybody's going to come to our website. It's not the case unless they're looking to buy, unless they know you're there. Um, so you really have to get to the sites where they're already looking, where they're already um, consuming content, where they're already collaborating with with peers and and trying to learn. And that's where you have to put the content that's valuable to them, not the content that tries to sell your product, but the content that's valuable to them. And you're going to them repeatedly on the customer journey. Absolutely. Um, and that's where the engagement strategy comes in, right? Because um, back about five years ago, and I'm sure there are still, I know there are still marketers out there that believe that one piece of content is going to create revenue for them, which is kind of laughable. Um, but you you want to get to the places where they're starting their journey. You understand that in the middle of their journey, they're looking at different types of sites, different types of content, whether that's you know product content or how-to content or video content that shows demos. Um, and then of course, at the end, they're looking at accreditation. They're going to analyst sites. They're going to reviewer sites to understand if other customers are are commenting or if, what are analysts re recommending. To sort of you know make sure that they're making the right decision. So you need to be your content needs to be in each of those places, in different formats, in different ways, with different spokespeople, with different you know sources, because you want to make sure that you're touching the buyer in every part of the buyer's journey. And yeah, and I mean, toward the end is when you're changing. So you, it's like you have an experience while you're following the customer's experience. Absolutely. You know, I found that a number of years ago when I was trying to figure this all out and we were looking at dashboards, marketing dashboards, um, and what it was showing was that our individual tactics were miserable failures. And quite honestly, if I was the CEO, I would have cleaned out marketing and started all over. And um, you know, maybe two people were converting in a certain tactic or whatever, and it started not to make sense to me. You know, like okay, so what, was that the first thing that those two people did, or had they done a number of things beforehand? And this is the this is the time when they were ready, and that's why they converted, or was it the tactic? Or so what we did was we went back and constructed what every what accounts that were we, we were winning, what they were doing from the first touch we could we could. Um, measure them to becoming an opportunity and then becoming a closed one deal. And what we saw was they were constructing their own buyer's journey. We weren't doing it. We were just putting a bunch of tactics out into market, but they were sort of picking and choosing, choosing along, and along the way what, what was, you know, whether it was through Google or whether it was through um, media programs we were putting out there. They were constructing this. And I thought, oh gosh, well, what if we constructed it? Could we make it faster? Could we find more? Could we, could we you know, increase our probability to win the, to win the deal? Um, and that's really what we've done here at Focus Vision. We've, we've, we've said, okay, we understand our customer, we understand their truth, we understand what motivates them, and we understand where they're looking, so where do we construct that, and, and what the touch points are along the way that they're gonna be gathering as they make a decision on who to buy. I mean, you mentioned big data going back, and that's an old idea, kind of, the idea maybe. Isn't it funny that big data's an old idea? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, it, it, the idea is you crunch all the data and you find these things that you never would have thought about, about your customer that you had no idea, but here you're saying, oh, you know, they're telling your, their truth right along the journey. Absolutely, and that was the sort of our big data crunch, was can we pull from all of our different systems and see where this account was? Um, because you know, marketing used to measure by contact. So if Joe Smith came in, we looked at Joe Smith the whole way and saw if Joe Smith bought. But normally, Joe Smith came in and his boss bought. You know, <laughs> so we weren't able to 
to create that line, that clean line from the first touch to the last touch. A little more complicated in the B2B space. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah, and I think the B2B space, especially in the market that I've been in, which is enterprise software, it's a longer journey. You know, if you're if you're buying socks, it's not such a long journey. You know, if you're buying laundry detergent, it's probably not such a long journey. Um, but in the B2B space, where you're spending considerable amount of money on software, there, there's a journey there. You know, and there's still journeys for you know, things like um, socks and, and detergent, but just different and, and not in the same way. Well, um, whether it's socks, whether it's new company corporate software, uh, it's great to see this new insight uh, into, uh, you know, a better understanding, a better truth of the people that you're working with. Uh, you know, just to go back again, uh, working with your colleagues and getting to know your colleagues, it's almost like the customer is a little bit of a, a colleague or a partner in the experience. Yeah, I absolutely. And and my goal, you know, I just know the way I like to work with companies. And those companies that are valuable to me um, in my job are the ones that get my mind share and my biggest share of wallet, right? Because I want to continue working with them because they're making me successful. Um, I, as, as a marketing leader, I want to be that to my customers. I want to be valuable to them beyond, you know, uh, clickbait and, you know, getting them to buy our software because if we if we do that and we don't deliver on our promise they're not customers anymore and it costs a lot of money to acquire a customer so um, I I come from a place of authenticity I want to understand and help our customers I believe it builds a stronger customer base it helps build a company um, um, brand equity you know there are a lot of there are a lot of companies that don't survive you know, so how do you rise above that noise? How are you that company? And I believe it comes from connecting authentically and, and really caring and wanting to help your customers and, of course, sell them, you know, software as a result. Wanting to help, you can't help them if you're not surviving <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. thriving. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so great to speak with you, Don. Thanks a lot. And, uh, again, this is the DMN one-on-one -on -one podcast. Uh, very nice to meet with you and to speak with you today. Great. Thanks for having me.